The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. Thank you for tuning in. Before we get into the interview, I would be honored if you would consider going to thepaulleslie.com and clicking support the show. There are quite a number of things I want to accomplish with the Paul Leslie Hour, and you can help me get more of these interviews out there to the masses. It only takes a moment, and it makes a world of difference. Last but not least, tell someone about the Paul Leslie Hour. Let them know in whatever way you can. And now, let's get into the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure to welcome Gary Brooker of Procol Harum. Thanks so much for joining us. Here I am. So tell us, how would you define Gary Brooker? A legend. Did you say a legend? A legend. A legend. What do you mean by that? Well, it's another way of pronouncing legend. <laughs> Seriously. How would I describe Gary Brooker? Yeah. How would you define Gary Brooker? One of the great men of British music. I would have to agree with you there. What was life like growing up? Glorious. But still a certain point. And was there a lot of music around the house? Oh, yeah. Yeah, loads. My father was um, a Hawaiian guitarist. Had a, a good name. Good name. He was the best in Britain. And that's what I kind of grew up with, Hawaiian music. And took piano lessons, and, and, and then my father died suddenly when I was 11. He was 41, I think. Sudden heart attack, and life changed a bit for a while then. But I kept up the piano lessons via a bass friend player of his, who, because I stopped for a year, and then he said, no, I think Gary should keep playing. So he paid for my lessons. And then one day, you know, at the age of 13 or 14, some school band said, you play piano, can we do some Elvis songs? And then we start. What was the first album that you purchased? First album? Carl Perkins' first album. Tell us a bit about founding the Paramounts. Founding? Yeah, the beginning of the Paramounts. Well, we, we still, everybody was still at school. Down, we're down in South End on Sea, which is at the Thames Delta. There was a great deal. Well, the people, my school friends and that, we were very interested in rock music. It's quite a natural thing when you're at school in England in those days to form a band. I'd been in the, two or three bands local. You know, I so was in a skiffle bluegrass band for a while. Then I started playing the piano. And then there was once a a band contest in South End, which means, you know, they had about 12 groups, local groups, in a contest to see who was best. I don't think we won it. But the owner of the ballroom decided that what he would do was pick the best out of the musicians or the guys that he'd seen playing in all these big bands, and he'd form one super group. And so he got... Chris Copping and Robin Trower from the Raiders. He got Mickey Brownlee from the Outlaws. And he got Gary Brooker from the Coasters. And he got Bob Scott from the Klansmen. And he formed the Paramounts. 
How did the decision to cover the song Poison Ivy come about? Well, we only used to play in our set covers. We didn't think of it like that. We thought of it as trying to uh, educate the people. You know, we used to do a lot of Ray Charles, Jerry Lee, Chuck Berry, pretty much the repertoire of English bands in those days. But we also did quite a few Coasters songs. That was a, a very popular song, Poison Ivy. You may know the Rolling Stones actually did record it as well. And when we were asked to go and do a, a demo for EMI, our manager wanted us to do Poison Ivy. We said, oh, that would be sacrilege, covering a Coasters record. But he said, well, at least it's a way to get yourself heard with the record company. So we, we did a demo of, of Poison Ivy. The B-side was further on up the road, which was a Bobby Bland tune. And we passed the test, and they signed us up. They then went on to say, well, let's, Poison Ivy's great, let's, let's make it into a single. We're joined by Gary Brooker. How did the band Procol Harum come together? Well, I was writing songs. The Paramounts retired in 1966. Not because they had too much money, but because they were fed up with each other. And I thought, oh, well, I've done enough of this touring. I think I'll be a songwriter. And at that point, I'd, met, I'd already met Keith Reed. And so we started writing songs together. But after a while, we didn't manage to get any of them played by anybody else. So we decided that I should come out of retirement and I should sing them, play them. And we get, you know, we thought of the lineup that we wanted, blues guitar, bass and drums, and a Hammond organ. And so we went about finding the people that could fill that task. And did you find that writing songs with Keith Reed was easy to do? Yes, very easy. Yeah. And why do you think that your songwriting partnership was so successful? Well, I'm not really sure, but I had a lot of a lot of musical ideas. I'd had a lot of musical influences, and I kind of used all of those influences in the way I wrote wrote music. Everything from classical blues, Hawaiian, you name it. Everything I'd ever liked was in my head, except when it came out, it came out differently. It came out, hopefully, originally. And I never had a problem singing Keith's lyrics. Because I was the singer as well, I was able to interpret, you know, his words. Where did the inspiration behind the song A Whiter Shade of Pale come from? Well, I can only speak from the musical side, but the musical side was inspired by Johann Sebastian Bach. The old German rocker. <laughs> rocker, yeah. <clears throat> why you know, he had 21 why children. 21 children? 21 children. Because his organ had no stops. <laughs> oh. We're joined by Gary Brooker of Procol Harum, the composer of A Whiter Shade of Pale. Why do you think so many people identify and enjoy that song? I think it's because it has some sort of mystery, so it's not right in your face, lyrically or musically. It's from uh, somewhere else. I think it comes across like that. It's from somewhere else, and it has a mystery to it. And it, I don't know why. It draws people in. It's always drawn people into it for some reason. It's like a Stephen King novel. What about this song, Hamburg? What was the inspiration behind that one? Well, I mean, uh, Homburg was written, really, as a follow-up to A Whiter Shade of Pale. The inspiration, the, the inspiration 
although I could say with White Shade of Pale there was an inspiration, it was definitely Bach, I was not trying to get some mood from somewhere else in my, in my mind for that. It was more a question of, let's try and have a hit that's got to follow up a White Shade of Pale. So it was a bit more demanding, you know, at that particular point in life. It was quite a demanding thing to... I think it came off all right. There's a lot of music, original musical ideas in the composition of that, which, um, particularly the sustaining bass note while the while the chords continually change, that, that got used quite a lot by people after that. You know, you'd have to see that in retrospect. But uh, inspiration-wise, it was... Um, that was just pure thought. We're speaking with Gary Brooker of Procol Harum, composer performer of the various recordings that other artists have made of your songs what has been your favorite version of a song that you wrote off the top of my head i would say power failure by the guitarist leo cocky why i was totally unexpected it's not the sort of program harm song even that you would imagine somebody covering and yet he's taken the the essence of it, and made it, you know, his own his own piece. And he's, of course, always been one of my favourite players. It was just marvellous because he'd approached it from a different angle. I also like the White Shade of Pale by King Curtis. He approached things from a different angle. Did you ever hear the version of a Whiter Shade of Pale recorded by an artist named Dan Reeder? No. It's a very interesting version of the song. What was it like performing on the Alan Parsons Project song, Limelight? Well, it was, it was a very nice experience. I'd known Alan for some time because he used to be an engineer up at Abbey Road Studios. And, of course, he started to have success with the project and with Eric Wolfson that used to write the, the songs. And, and one day they, they thought they'd found one that they'd like to hear me sing. So I said, well, I'll have, I said, let me hear it. I went up there and gave it my best and thoroughly enjoyed it. And they got a great sound, a vocal sound. You know, it just, just sounds like I do. And I played it on stage with them a couple of times as well. We're joined by concert and recording artist and composer Gary Brooker. You've also performed with Ringo Starr. What was that experience like? Oh, being an all-star? Yes. Well... What can you say? It's marvellous. I mean, here's a very a gentleman, a very humorous boss. It was a very Ringo on 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 tour has always had an interesting band. He always picks some great people to play with the All Stars. I've seen them one or two formats of them, and it always works. Ringo's the life and soul of the party. His audiences were great, actually. I mean, at one point in it, I had a solo spot. Well, we used to alternate it me, Peter Frampton and Jack Bruce, two of us each night. Anyway, I used to do a salty dog all on my own, and it just came after Yellow Submarine. Of course, everybody had gone berserk for Yellow Submarine, and then Ringo says, I'm going to take a break, and everybody leaves the stage. You're suddenly left with 10,000 people in front of you <laughs> who you've got to try and uh, keep their attention. So I always had to give it everything, and it usually worked. You've recorded and performed with many artists. Eric Clapton, as we mentioned, Ringo Starr. Who has been the biggest thrill for you to perform with? Oh, dear. 
I mean, I haven't played with that many people. It might seem like it sometimes. But I'm sure there's some session musicians who've played with everybody. But I've been, I've been lucky with the people I've played with. I mean, to play or have in your band even, Eric Clapton, who's one of the, the great solo guitarists, has always been a treat. Uh, I love listening to him play. Who else have I been with? I've never been on stage with George Harrison, made some records with him, and, and it was fantastic at the concert for George at the Albert Hall, which was a year after he died. That memorial concert was a great thrill. And I will say, thrilled. I was thrilled to play beside Billy Preston there. There we are. Who's uh, always been one of my great organ favorites. We're joined by Gary Brooker of Procol Harum. What was it like creating Procol's ninth album? Well, I think it was, well, it was sort of half enjoyable. It was also strange. I remember, of course, we're talking about with Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller. And we'd always appreciated them, even since Paramount's days, you know. We'd like them as songwriters. We thought, well, we write songs, they write songs. We're obviously going to have something in common here. It went reasonably well. But at 7 o'clock at night, they said, OK, we're going for dinner. So we said, OK, what time shall we come back? They said, well, we're not coming back. This is the end of the day. Now, up till then, Procolheim had usually come out, staggered out of the studios at 4 in the morning after going in at midday. But with Jerry and Mike, when they stopped for dinner, that was the end of the day, and I can see what they were on. It's a good idea. But the experience was was interesting because they wanted us to play all the songs that hadn't been accepted by Peggy Lee for her new album, and we wanted to cover some of their old old songs, so we used to battle that out for three hours and then record a couple of Procol songs. What songwriters would you say have been the biggest influence on you? I don't really get influenced by songwriters. never get influenced by them. I never think, oh, I'd like to do like what he did or what she did. I just appreciate other people. I do like somebody that does their own songs. I mean, I could name somebody like Randy Newman. Oh, yes, Randy Newman. That'll do. What makes a good song a good song, in your opinion? Well, you've got to have good melody, you've got to have good lyrics, have an interesting rhythm, you've got to have a lot of added interest, and on top of it all, the element of chance. What do you mean by the element of chance? Well, just allow things to go with the flow, allow, allow things to happen. Sometimes things go wrong, but that turns out to be a good idea. Sometimes the bass player will play a wrong note. It's not really a wrong note. It's something unusual. What's on the horizon with Gary Brooker? I mean, I really need to get down and and do some fresh writing, which I'm, I'm trying to do at the moment, in between other things. So really, just a question of a, a new project or a new... I don't mean what might be a new project, who knows, but just a new way of looking at things. What do you find yourself doing with downtime when you have it? Well, killing weeds, <laughs> painting the house where it's peeled off. In fact, uh, my idea would be actually doing nothing except just relaxing, going out, looking at things, do a bit of fishing. Yeah, a bit of fishing would be nice. What is the best thing about being Gary Brooker? The best thing? Well, having Mrs. Brooker. Your songs are loved all over the world. For anyone who's listening in, 
wherever in the world they are, what would you say to them? First thing would be thank you. Thank you for giving us the time. And if you enjoy Procol Harm, then there's hope for you. We won't ever go away, and hopefully the music will will stay on and will last. You know, I hope if you put on a salty dog today, or you listen to Been Held to His Eye, or our last album, that it was it will still mean something. And I've always tried to do things with keeping the quality in mind, but it's all done with emotion. To be listened to in the spirit in which it was made. That's what it said on our first album. Mr. Brooker, thank you so much for this interview. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Okay, I hope that I haven't sounded too miserable. I thought you gave a great interview. <laughs> How's life in Georgia? Things are good in Georgia. It would be nice to see you guys in concert here in Atlanta. Well, I think we are playing there, so you make sure you drop in and say hello. Oh, I would love it. Okay then, Paul. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye. <laughs>